Hi there, and welcome to this week's edition of the Jersey Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast, which is made by fans for fans, and where the content is absolutely free. Every week, uh, it is not just the the pod that we have free. Uh, we also have the forums. We have articles uh, online every week. There's the social media stuff. Uh, there's a history ar- archive, and it's all original, independent, and free content uh, made by us for you. Uh, it's episode 113 of the Jersey Weekly Podcast. I am your host tonight, uh, Colin Armstrong. If you're a first time listener to the to the show. Uh, then we would ask you to subscribe and share on social media. Media We have over 3,500 subscribers uh, at the moment, uh, so thanks so far. Uh, the pod is live tonight, and it has been an absolute disaster, uh, but it will be available to download or stream on a variety of platforms from tomorrow, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBot, Stitcher, and Spotify. So let's get over that absolute disaster of a start and bring the guests in. Uh, we've got Douglas and John McCallum tonight. Uh, Douglas, how are you? Uh, are you still there? I am still here. I am very <laughs> well, mate. That was that was four minutes of uh, introduction there, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it's the, it's the new setup here, and I was halfway through my intro at the start, and all of a sudden I could I was getting feedback. It was all linked, and I couldn't find where it was coming from, so I had to sort of mute for a wee bit and try and find what the issue was, but I found it, but aye, bit of a disastrous start. I thought you just got excited about the, the pre-pod debate that we were having there. Well, that got me walked up a wee bit, I must admit, especially John's view, but we'll come on to all that later on, and we'll bring John in the new. How are you, John? Not too bad. Not too bad. <laughs> that was a suitable, um, a suitable opening for me to be on back on the show again. Uh, so no, no, good stuff, Colin. That's good. Let's let's try and keep that level of professionalism up for the next hour. Well, that's 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 why we're free, John. Uh, you know, let's be honest. <laughs> Finally, there's absolutely no way we could charge for this shit. Yeah, I think we'll maybe need to start paying people to listen soon. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Let's see. I'll have a wee look at how many are listening now. I think we had about three on to start with, and after two minutes in my introduction, it went totally south. So anyway, yeah. So guys, obviously no. Uh, no football this week in terms of Rangers. It was the international break. So I thought we would have a wee look at that. There was a lot of stuff through the week with Scotland qualifying. A lot of stuff online, eh, on Twitter and all the rest of it about Rangers fans either wanting to support Scotland or not wanting to support Scotland. So I thought we'd have a wee discussion about that and, and how we've come to that. And obviously there was some stuff with Lee Griffiths and all that as well. Maybe have a wee look at that. I also thought we would have a wee sort of uh, the season so far, have a look have a look at how Rangers have done so far this season. Obviously all positive, but you know, is there anything we could maybe improve on and, and and how do we how do we do things moving forward? And then we're back to league business uh, next Sunday at Ibrox. So have a wee sneak preview of that. Uh, and also I was kindly reminded by uh, Dougie tonight that the League Cup draw took place today and Rangers have been drawn against Falkirk, so uh, that will take place on the weekend of the 28th or the 29th of November. Uh, so, John, I'll come to you first. Falkirk, I mean, just down the road from me, I might actually get in and see them, but surely you think we would get through that game? You would expect to. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a good 
it's a good draw away from home, I suppose. It's the only thing against it. You know, cups can be funny. You, you, you know, you know that. We've seen this in the past. Sometimes going to um, these kind of grounds can be um, a bit challenging, uh, particularly in the middle of winter. But, you know, all things been even, um, that's as good a draw as we could get. Um, other than it, than it being at home, um, so yeah, no, bring it on. Um, I've always uh, I've always enjoyed uh, the League Cup. League Cup was one of my kind of first my first kind of cups. Supporting Rangers was the League Cup, um, and uh, it was the the kind of cup we did best in in my early days supporting Rangers. So I've always had a soft spot for it. So uh, yeah, no, look forward to that. Um, Falkirk are what down their kind of what League One just now. Yeah. Um, I think they're doing okay in League One, but um, they're, uh, they're you know they're not the team that they maybe were a decade or so ago. Um, so yeah, you know I think that's a pretty decent draw for Rangers. And like you say, you know a handy one for you. You can watch from the house. Yeah, I, I probably could actually for a set of binoculars. Uh, Dougie, I mean I've got the full draw here: Celtic against Ross County, us against uh, Falkirk, Livingston v St Mirren. Uh, sorry, Livingston versus Air United, St Mirren v Aberdeen. Hibs v Dundee, Arbroath v Dunfermline, Motherwell St Johnson, Aloha Hearts. I mean, another thing with Falkirk at the moment is they've, they've got one of these plastic pitches as well, you know, which is a pitch that we obviously don't like. But you would expect us to get through it. And also, if we do get through it, you know, there's no one in there that you wouldn't fancy getting past again. Yeah, good draw. Um, returns to Falkirk for Scott Arfield and, and Ross Wilson. As you said, it's going to be another plastic pitch. And as John said, they're in, they're in League One. They're sitting second behind, I think it's Cove Rangers. Um, there was certainly worse draws available. You know, there's there's two all-premiership clashes there. There was three um, premiership teams in the unseeded section. So it could have been a worse draw for us. Um, I had a quick glance at the Falkirk squad, actually, before we came on. And there's a few familiar names in there. Some, some, some ex-SPL players um, that are probably in their twilight years. Guys like Connor Salmon. Lee Miller, Margaro Gomez, Paul Dixon, and then those guys like Blair Alston, and dare I raise Charlie Telfer. Um, so Falkirk do have a fairly decent team, pretty experienced. Um, it, is, it is definitely winnable. My, my only gripe, I know that you you live local, my, my only gripe is, is um, the cup games are shown in Premier Sports. Um, it's a subscription I don't have and nor will I take out. So I, I won't see the game live. Um, we'll have to wait for the highlights. Um, might come over to yours and, and let's peer over a fence and see if we can see the game. Well, I, I do know uh, that when, when Falkirk returned to action, uh, it was sort of reported in the local press that there, there, there was. As you'll be aware, there's one side of the, the, the stadium at Falkirk where there isn't anything other than a wall. So there was quite a few supporters peering over the wall, uh, you know, teenagers and all that kind of thing. So it could be done. <laughs> if we all want to chip in and get a van, we can stand on the top of the van, I suppose. <laughs> but I would imagine for a tie like that, that there would be a huge uh, sort of police presence or a, or a, a decent police presence anyway to stop that. Because uh, it did sort of cross my mind. I thought, you know, I might actually be able to climb a tree or something and see into this ground. But uh, I imagine Mr. Todd will be there to, to, to stop that kind of thing. And I'm like you, John, the, the, the League Cup, holds a lot of fun memories for me. My first final was the League Cup final yeah, against Aberdeen in 1987, uh, the three each game that went to penalties. So, you know, it feels like an entry-level cup for, for, you know, up-and-coming supporters like myself at the time. So, aye, and it would be good just to get silverware again. I was looking before we came on air, the finals sort of, yeah, I think it was on the 28th of February. So if we, we could, you know, negotiate our way to the final, it would, it would get us... 
an opportunity to get silverware through the door again, something that we've not seen for far too long. Uh, right, guys, I'll get on to the, the, the sort of main agenda now. It's obviously the main talking point through the week. John, I'll come to you first on this. The Scotland on, on Thursday night, you know, managed to, to qualify for the Euros. First major tournament uh, for 22 years. Uh, I mean, there'll, 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 be, there'll be people in their sort of late 20s who have never experienced, you know, sort of Scotland being in anything, even sort of early 30s, I suppose. Uh, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when it was a kind of given, you know, you, you, I, I can remember 82, 86, 90, the Euros in 92, uh, the Euros in 96, and then the World Cup in 98. I, I must admit that, that that last one, I didn't think we would go 22 years before we seen it again, but I was one of these supporters that felt a wee bit indifferent on Thursday night. I must admit my relationship with the national team feels a bit damaged at the moment. I've struggled to to get any enthusiasm for them. Uh, how did you feel? Were you watching the game? And are, are you a, a passionate Scotland fan? Or are you one of the ones that, like, you know what, I'm losing interest in this? I'm not a passionate Scotland fan. I, I watch Scotland if they're on. I'm not somebody who would go out my way to get them. So the, the game was on, um, it was on free. I don't have Sky. So the game was on free, so I watched it. Well, I watched some of it. I had to go and pick up my son. And um, I had to go pick up my son. And so I had to leave. It was 1-0 and I left the house and I had it on in the car. I picked him up and I'm driving back. And the 90th minute, and of course, they're about equalised. And I, I turned around to my son and I said, you know what, this is what Scotland do to you. Scotland find new ways of making you miserable. And and that has been my overwhelming emotion towards Scotland, I think, over the last 20 years, is they just seem to keep making you miserable. They find new ways of losing. Um. So I was, you know, when when that penalty was saved, I, I, I'm surprised you didn't hear me in Falkirk because I let out a, 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 a cheer. I, I mean, I was out my chair. Um, I, to be fair, I was out my chair when we scored as well. Nice goal. Um, you know, I, I was pleasantly surprised at how well we played, but absolutely not surprised in the slightest when we let in an equaliser in, in the 90th minute, and frankly, fully expected us then to lose, and. And to not lose. So I think the surprise of not losing. And winning penalties is, is you know, a penalty shootout is a horrible thing. And it's not a nice way for, for football matches to be decided. But if you win a penalty shootout, that's a fantastic experience. So I have to say, I really enjoyed the evening. Uh, I enjoyed the result. But um, two of my kids stayed up to watch it and were jumping around with joy as well. Um, I think that, I mean, everybody I spoke to, like my, my wife has no interest, my wife has no interest in football and she isn't even Scottish. And even she was excited about this when we were, you know, when I was talking to her about it after the game. Um, so there is something about international football that is different from club football. Um, it, it does bring people into uh, an interest in football. They don't normally have an interest in football. And normally these people call and annoy me Normally, these are people I don't want to speak to. See people who don't really like football but casually get into it for the big games. Ah, go away. You know what? Be here for the rubbish ones or don't come at all. But Glory Hunters, just, John. That's absolutely, what you're absolutely. Right? So, <laughs> and I normally have no time for these people. Um, but there is something about international football. Um, I, I lived in I lived in Northern Ireland when Scotland were last at the World Cup in, in France, and that was quite interesting to be abroad or you know not in Scotland 
um, when um, when when your team is playing, when your country's playing, that was that was quite interesting, quite an interesting experience. Um, so my relationship with Scotland is very different, and I know we're going to go into this in a little more. Um, my relationship with Scotland national team just now is very different from what it was. The first professional, you know, senior game of football I ever saw in my life was a Scotland game, um, Scotland against Bulgaria in 1978. I had to look it up earlier. I knew it was my first game, but I couldn't remember exactly when it was. It was February 1978. And my second ever senior game was also Scotland. But it was Rangers against Scotland for John Gregg's testimonial. My dad took me to see John Gregg. My dad loved John Gregg and and, and wanted me to see him. Um, I guess that was probably going to be his last game. Um, or one of his last games, and, and and we went along. So and and but what's interesting is my dad reminded me about this recently, is that going to see Scotland against Rangers in nineteen. So I'd be seven years old, and going to see Scotland against Rangers in nineteen seventy eight. I supported Scotland. I actually wanted Scotland to win. You know, I, although I was a Rangers supporter, I was a bigger Scotland supporter at that stage because Scotland were big news. You know, we just qualified for the Argentina World Cup. Um, no other home nation had. You know, our players dominated, well, what was the media in those days, which was, you know, Shoot Magazine, um, Scoop Magazine, these kind of things. You know, it was our players that dominated. You know, Ken Douglas was, you know, arguably the biggest, certainly the biggest star in, in, in UK football and British football. And so supporting Scotland and, and, and knowing who was in the Scotland team, you know, that was a big, big thing. And I would argue at that time, Scotland were probably bigger than club football at that time, you know, and, and the Scottish national team. Um, you know, going to the, um, whether we were playing at Wembley or whether we were playing at Hamden, you know, the, the, the Scotland-England game every year was arguably the biggest game of the season. Bigger than the Scottish Cup final, bigger than, than Rangers-Celtic games. Um, at that time, I would say it probably was. Um, so, you know, a couple of years later, um, I was desperate to go and see Rangers games. But at that point, you know, I would I would get taken to see Scotland games, um, and I was really quite excited about that. So I kept going to see Scotland all the way through till my early twenties. Um, so right through to you know the early nineties, you know, I didn't miss many Scotland games at Hampden. And then I'm not sure what happened. I think I've, I've tried to think back. I think what happened was Andy Roxburgh happened, and suddenly Scotland became, you know, Scotland, we, we didn't matter if we won or not anymore. You know, we kind of celebrated losing. And, I, you know, I, I see as a Rangers supporter, I don't think, you know, we don't celebrate losing. See, when we go to a, 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 a city or a town and we lose, I want to lay waste to it. You know, I want, to, I want to pillage the place. Now, I don't, but I do want to, you know. And so see this whole thing with the Tartan Army where you're all, you know, we'll, we'll sing and we'll dance and it doesn't matter if we lose. Oh, that's anathema to me. That's not how I used football. Um, I went to a rugby match once, and they do that. And, I, they, you know, I found it really difficult. <laughs> it's like, this is very strange. This doesn't sit with how I was brought up and how I enjoy football. So I think that was a part. But the truth is that, that, that there's maybe a bit of kind of casual reductivism there in me because it, it's not just one thing. There's been a number of things that have perhaps... Not not strained my relationship with Scotland as much as it has perhaps with some others, but certainly I can't. Yeah, I mean I can't imagine going to a Scotland game just now. I can't imagine. No. You know, I certainly wouldn't be out my way. I mean, if you know, I'll be honest. If someone said I've got two tickets for Wembley next summer, do you fancy going? I wouldn't be saying no to that. But 
I wouldn't be queuing up to go to see a, a game at Hamden just now. And I've thought before about, you know, should I take, you know, take my kids along? Um, would I take my kids along? And I, and I haven't done it um, because I, I don't feel that same, that same passion that I do for Rangers. That, that's the simple truth. But that being said, I do always want Scotland to win. You know, when they're on and, and they're available to me, I watch them. I invariably, normally I curse at them and get really grumpy watching them. But on Thursday night, I, I have to say that was, you know, that was a pretty good night. I have to say I really enjoyed it. I was really quite happy with it. And I'm, a, you know, I'm a wee bit excited about the summer now. What about you, Dougie? How did, how did you, did you, uh, were you sitting there with a the soul tire painted on your face or were you sitting there cursing them? Not quite the soul tire painted my face, but I was definitely sitting in my Scotland top with a beer in my hand. Um, I am a Scotland fan. Um, one of the things that John said, interestingly, there is around the difference between supporting Scotland and supporting Rangers. And, and I would completely agree. So um, I, I am a Scotland fan. I'm a former member of the Tartan Army. Um, I was raised um, to be both a Rangers and a Scotland fan. My dad actually talks about times when um, the Tartan Army was actually majority Rangers fans. Um, John, you'll probably recall that greater than, than what, what I do. Um, I was 13 the last time Scotland played in a major tournament. Um, but I, I mean, I enjoyed the game. Um, I'll be honest, I had a tear in my eye at the end. And I think I think the result was hugely important for, for people of, of a younger generation than me because um, there, is, there is that... Um, lack of interest in Scotland at times because we're not successful and we haven't been to a major tournament. But the point I was going to make was around that relationship because as much as I'm a huge Scotland fan, I wanted to see his win. Um, I was cheering his on. Um, I, I, I don't feel the same rage, if I use the word rage, every time we get beaten. And I don't know whether it's because with Scotland, you kind of, you're kind of used to it now. You're used to getting beaten. Um, but when, when Rangers drop points, you know, that's the rest of my, my day, weekend, um, week until the next game ruined. When, when Scotland do get beat, you kind of just brush it off and go, oh, well, typical Scotland. So I would say there's definitely a difference in, in my support for Scotland um, than Rangers. But I was I was over the moon on Thursday. Um, I think it's great for the, the nation to be to be in a major tournament again. It's funny that you're both, I mean, both of you are saying there that you are, you know, South Scotland fans and he's were happy on Thursday night when Scotland qualified. I mean, I'm I'm on the other side of the fence, so I must admit it's, it's been a fairly recent thing. I mean, I can still remember the night Scotland played the Public Island at Celtic Park and was it Sean Maloney that scored? It was, an, it was actually a really, really good goal. You know, we were all, me and my two kids were sitting with Scotland tops on that night. I remember uh, the, the, the game against England, the two-each game, you know, when we went 2-1 up, you know, I'm jumping about in the living room. I, I, after Thursday night's game, I sort of thought, right, wait a minute, when did when did this start? Because there would have been a time when I would have been really excited about Scotland qualifying for a major tournament, and I wasn't feeling that. And uh, I, I, I mean, you can go back to the Barry Ferguson thing. I think the way he was treated by the SFA was, was pretty poor. The way some Rangers players were treated, you know, players that said that they didn't want to play for their country anymore, and then came back, guys like Boyd, who were booed and all the rest of it. Uh, you had Ian Black being booed, Ryan Jack being booed. You know, Rangers players seem to take a fair brunt of criticism uh, from from members of the Tartan Army. I think Lee Wallace got a bit of it as well when he was in there. 
And I took all that and just kept going. I, for me, I'm tracing it back to when Alex McLeish was appointed the second time Scotland manager and the reaction and the criticism and the fact that the guy was never, ever really given a chance uh, and just written off. I think that's when I really started to become, you know, really indifferent towards Scotland. And I had a wee bit of a moment the other night uh, when, I mean, when, when, when Marshall saved that penalty. You know, my son was sitting there, and he, as I was saying to you before we came on air, he sort of looked at me as if I was celebrating, and I was just like, no, you know what I mean? And then he sat for four or five minutes, and then he went up the stair. And it wasn't until he was upstairs, I thought, well, wait a minute, he was maybe looking for something there, because he's 15, he's never seen Scotland in a major tournament. It wasn't that long ago that I, I still had some interest. Uh, so I've, I've, I've sort of said to myself, you know what, I'm maybe going to try next year and, and try and get involved in it a wee bit, because... He's never seen it, but I have to admit the fact that I'm saying that I have to try uh, shows you that something has went badly wrong in, in that relationship. And it's not it's not the relationship with my country. You know, when Scotland are playing at rugby, I'm still supporting them. Uh, when you know you're watching Andy Murray, you're still supporting them. I'm proud to be Scottish. But when it comes to the Scottish national football team, I I think club rivalry has now entered it, and I, I I don't like it. I must admit, and I feel a bit of an outsider. Uh, John, I'll come to you. In, in terms of that relationship, it, it feels like it's been deteriorating for a while. What do, what do you think has sort of impacted in that relationship? There's been a number of things have impacted on it. You know, I think, as I said, I think initially Scotland were were bigger. I think the national team were bigger than um, than clubs. Um, you know, certainly during the seventies and, and the first kind of half of the eighties. And then maybe that changed. The dynamic there changed and, and clubs became bigger than, than the national team. Um, I, I, I don't think you can put your finger and say that's one thing. Um, certainly, you know, coming much more up to date, you know, I agree with you. It has felt like, um, certainly Ryan Jack, you kind of feel Ryan Jack gets criticised by a section of the, 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 the Scotland support. And you feel that he's getting criticised for that because of the club he plays for, um, because he left Aberdeen to join us. Um, and that, that's why he gets criticised. And that's frustrating because you know, one of the, I read a really interesting stat the, on Friday that um, a, Stephen, a Stevie Clark Scotland team with Ryan Jack in it has never lost. And I noticed he wasn't playing today. And I noticed, um, you, and then we obviously all saw the result. Um, you know, and we know as Rangers supporters how important Ryan Jack is, the job that Ryan Jack does. He is that guy, he's that kind of canty player that, that does the kind of dirty work, that, that gives that option, that wins the ball back, that closes space. He's that player that other players love. And we know that. And 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 we know how important he is to a team. And so when you see him being criticised, it's, you know, it's perplexing because he can only be getting criticised for people who either don't understand football or don't like him because of the club he plays for. And I would agree with you that, that I think there's been an element of that all the way through. Um, I suspect politics plays a part for some in the support. It doesn't play a part for me, um, but I suspect for some in the, in the support, it, it plays a part. I think the um, elements of the Scotland support have probably got... Um, you know, a kind of reputation for, um, you know, for, for being fairly vocal Scottish nationalists, for example. Um, and I would say that probably plays badly with some in our support, not 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 all, clearly, but with some. 
Um, you know, I find the Tartan Army bewildering, you know, and, and as a group. I mean, I, I remember being in the town once and, and, you know, kind of walking up Buchanan Street and here's these guys, you know, guys in their 40s and kilts and desert boots with hats, with feathers on their hats. And you're like, what the hell is that? What are you, why are you dressed like that? You know, I don't understand that aspect of supporting Scotland. You know, I don't understand that whole getting dressed up like an, a, you know, an extra from Outlander. It just baffles the life out of me why people do that. They're not doing any harm, you know, each to their own. But I, that side of it, I find a little off-putting. I, I just think, I, I don't relate to you people. You people are, you know, stick a scarf on and go to the game, <laughs> support your country and come home. You know, it's not hard. <laughs> um, you know, why are you so, and there's that kind of, kind of uber Scotland fan and, and that I find a little perplexing. Plus, I think there's a, I think for, for Ranger supporters as well, there's this kind of feeling that your average Tartan Army guy is, is actually a chartered accountant from Huntley. Yeah. And he doesn't actually have any interest in football. You know, and, and, and again, I don't know how fair that is, but I think all of these things have played in. Um, you know, I can remember when Sunus um, was getting, you know, Sunus claimed after, and if you recall the interview with, with Chick Young, who was the wrong guy at the interview soon as he But if you recall the interview with Chick Young after after he left for us for Liverpool, um soon as basically said that he felt he could do no more with with Rangers, that he wouldn't be allowed, that he felt that he was at war with the Scottish League and with the SFA, that they didn't like him, they didn't like Rangers being too big for their boots. And I think that kind of started things. Um, I think that was probably an issue. I think the fact that Scotland stopped qualifying for things probably didn't help. Um, and and there's there's been kind of little things since then. I mean, you 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 spoke there yourself um, about you know the, the, the treatment that McLeish got. You know, I never felt Walter Smith was fully. You know, I never felt people fully valued the job that Walter Smith did. Um, he did a really good job with Scotland. Um, and like you, you know, guys like Boyd and even David Weir, uh, you know, fell out with um, the management that that perhaps weren't. Um, Welcomed back with open arms. Um, well, I, I, see, Davy Weir's a funny one, though. Davy Weir was welcomed back, but Davy Weir was playing with Everton at the time, and he fell out with Bertie, Bertie Volts. And that's what I mean. There's there's a total contradiction in how the Tartan Army treat players who have committed similar crimes. Yeah, but they're obviously basing their their their, their opinion on on that player on the on, on the club that they play for. So Boyd wasn't welcomed back. You know when it was being suggested that Barry Ferguson could come back and that was a total no-no but Alan McGregor was allowed to come back Yeah, you know true. what I mean even although the, both of them had committed the same offences but Barry Ferguson was still at the Angels and uh, or he was sort of seen as the, the Uber Rangers man and McGregor had moved on to, to Hull so he was welcome back and uh, Captain Shellsuit as they all like to call him there's no chance he's coming back but the, both of them committed the same offence yeah so, there's, there's, there's contradictions in everything that the Tartan Army do. Do you like international football? I mean, do you would you watch international football, you know, if, if the World Cup was on or the European yeah, Championship? Yeah, and, and uh, I mean, the, the, the qualifying games are kind of here or there. Yeah. Uh, the, the big Scotland games, yeah, I would always watch them. In the qualifying stages, you know, the bigger games, I would always watch them and always support them. Uh, and obviously come, you know, whether Scotland are there or not, I'll, I'll watch a World Cup or a European Championship. But, and would you enjoy it? I mean, because it's, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I, do, I do enjoy it. Yeah, I do. Because yeah. in some ways, I now find that I actually prefer international football at the top level. I think it's fairer. You know, I don't think you have the same 
you know, for me, it's one of the things that we've spoken about this before. I love the Europa League. I think Europa League is a great tournament because I think a lot of the teams in the Europa League can win it. Whereas the Champions League, you know, half a dozen teams can win it. And now the rest of them are also runs. And, and I think when you get to the World Cup, you realise, actually, there's probably, there's probably 10, 11 countries could could expect to get to the semi-finals here. Yes, the winner's going to come from a half dozen countries, but, and it, and it feels a bit more, I love watching, you know, you get a, a, a country doing well and you get, they've got three guys from Real Madrid and they've got, you know, two guys that play for Bayern Munich and they've got a couple of guys from Man City and then they've got their left back, you know, who plays in the, you know, for a second division team in Greece, you know, and he's like the weak link and you think that's great. You know, that, that these are teams that are having to try and put together that, and I actually prefer it. So the fact that Scotland are going to be in there again, I'm quite looking forward to, and I, I feel a bit sad that I don't have that same feeling for Scotland that I had 30 years ago. Um, and I was fascinated at, at, at uh, what Doogie was saying there, that he was in, you know, he was actually a member of the Tartan Army, and, and you know, I would be interested to know what, what that was like. You know, what was that experience like? Did you go to away games with them? And, and you know, what was it like, Doogie? Basically, I spent most of the time drunk, John. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, given that you were in the Tartan Army, you maybe seen that relationship break down, you know, uh, from closer quarters than me and John did. I mean, we're on the outside, all right, we're Scotland supporters and we'll always watch them, but I was a, a couch supporter of Scotland, you know. I mean, I've only been to two Scotland games in my life and the, both of them were in the 80s. So, I mean, you must have seen it break down you know, close up. I mean, what was that like? And what, and what do you think are the sort of primary reasons that it has broken down? Well, do you know, we, we, we had this debate um, in the, the pre-pod discussion and it was something I was speaking to my father-in-law and brother-in-law today as we were, we were walking around the park with the kids and, and there was four things that I pointed my finger towards in terms of where that breakdown um, occurred for me. Three of them we've spoken about, so so the Tartan Army booing Rangers players, our relationship with the SFA, our being being Rangers a football club. And and John mentioned political preferences. I do think political preferences does have, have a role to play. But I think the the fourth point, and it's probably the most important for me, is club allegiances. And you just asked there for my experience in the Tartan Army, and I'm going to give you one. Um, I, I did go away. Um, we were in um, Prague for the famous 4-6-0 formation. Um, Scotland, Craig Levine game against Czech Republic and I was there with a group of mates um, one of them might be listening, uh, Ewan fellow Rangers fan, fellow Copeland Road um, seated season ticket holder um, we started singing Simply the Best and an older member of the Tartan Army came over to us and, and just politely said listen guys we keep club allegiances out of out of the national team and I actually look back on that so at the time we were, we were kind of like oh, shut it, you know we were we bit tipsy with the with the, the the Czech beer, but I look back on that actually, and I think it was an important role that the the elders of the Tartan Army play, um, you know, keeping those club allegiances out. And and I'm going to just give you, you, you know, I love I love my stats. I'm going to I'm going to give you a couple right. So the starting eleven against Serbia, there was four current or ex Celtic players in the starting eleven, and there was four known Celtic fans. When you consider guys like Gallagher, O'Donnell, Robertson. And McGinn, and I do think the club allegiances is where the breakdown is 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 centered around at the moment. You know, we're going to come on to it shortly, ch- chatting about Lee Griffiths, and I'll I'll, I'll pause there, Colin, before we, we go right into Lee Griffiths. Don't know if Colin's away. Colin, are you away? 
Let's Sorry, just talk I'm, about Lee Griffiths. <laughs> I'm, ta- I'm, ta- I'm talking about, I'm ta- I was talking over my mute there. I'm having an absolute mare tonight, I really am. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave it there. Hey, you need I- Stevie Clark to manage you now, Colin, I think. Well, that's what nah, you're all right. Missed. You're all right. I'll, I'll give that a miss. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I would rather be a, a, a flair podcast hoster than someone who just has a rigid system and sounds a bit boring. I, I don't mind making an arse yet if it makes the people laugh. You know what I mean? So... Uh, no, Stevie Clark, no, no. No, but I mean, g- going back to the point, Dougie, it's uh, that club allegiance, I, I think it's a fair point. I, I do think, I think John struck on something there with, with Sunas. I think maybe the way Rangers went in the, the mid-80s, you know, when we started signing a lot of English players and, and uh, later on we were signing foreign players and all that kind of thing. And, and some of your support started, you know, wearing England jerseys and all that kind of thing. But they, they were kind of doing it, but not supporting England. You know what I mean? They were doing it because there was a contingent of England players in the team. But I think outside the Ibrox, I think outside of our support, that sort of generated a bit of uh, dislike uh, and, and maybe even a bit of hatred towards us. And it just sort of festered. I think also the fact that we stopped qualifying uh, has, an, uh, has a point as well. And I think the the, the, the national debate, you know, the... The yesers and the, the the better together and all that kind of thing that sort of made things worse as well in my opinion. But the, I mean the club thing that you were talking about, Dougie, the, the the incident with Lee Griffiths I think is is key in this because you know Scotland qualified for the first time in 22 years since 1998 for a major tournament and the first thing he does in that dressing room is he's not celebrating with you know his fellow players and his teammates and the staff. He's looking to score points on a club basis on Twitter uh, at Kyle Lafferty. Now, whether he knew about Kyle Lafferty's situation, you know, the death of his sister, that is up for debate. Uh, personally, the impression I get from from Lee Griffiths, I don't know if he would do it because of that, but I don't think it would stop him doing it, if you know what I mean. You know, I, I think well, he would maybe know and think, oh, well, I don't care. But the point is, straight away, he, he, was, he was into the club sort of allegiance debate rather than trying to unite the country he's trying to you know divide it and this thing this thing that he said in his statement that you know i you know we've kind of got a rivalry with northern ireland they qualified and we did and they sort of just getting back when did we have a relationship you know some sort of rivalry with northern ireland absolutely no idea about that i've never heard of that in my life and it just felt like Again, you know, having a pop when, when he's got someone in that dressing room who used to be a teammate of Kyle Lafferty's, the first thing he's doing is, 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 is having a pop. And again, at a time when maybe everyone was m- maybe going to come together, you know, all day on Thursday, all you could see was was debate about that thing. And, you know, it got quite heated as far as I could see. In terms of Lee Griffiths, Dougie, what was your view on it? I, I mean, I thought it, was, I thought it was poor. I thought it was a, a poor act in the first place. And the the response was was even worse. I thought, you know, that statement that he put out that was just a, a shambles, really. Well, I spent the entire Thursday on Twitter um, trying to encourage Rangers fans to put club allegiance to a side. And I sat and I watched the game and I celebrated when Ryan Christie, a, a current Celtic player, put the ball in the back of the net. And I, I shed a tear when David Marshall, a former Celtic player, saved the penalty that puts Scotland through to a major tournament. And I've spent that whole time trying to tell supporters to put club allegiances to a side. 
And within 10 minutes, a Celtic player goes onto Twitter and immediately brings in club allegiances by by pointing the finger at, at, at or, or laughing at Kyle Lafferty. Whether he knows about the circumstances um, with his sister or not is, is regardless. I can't get my head into the mindset of a an international footballer who's just went through that sheer joy and success of, of, of international success to pick up the phone and laugh at Northern Ireland. I, it just it just doesn't comprehend with me. And, and then to further compound that, you then had the admin of the Scotland national team page use a quote, bye-bye 22 years, in reference to, to Scotland's qualification, which for me is a clear dig at Rangers. Now, people have, have been critical of me for, 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 for saying, I think that's a clear dig at Rangers on Twitter, saying that in Steve Clark's speech, um, he, he then said, oh, and bye-bye Celtic next year as well. You know, the context ever since that speech has been bye-bye Rangers. It's got nothing to do with bye-bye Celtic. And I genuinely believe because there was a fairly anti-Scotland um, presence on social media from, from Rangers fans on Thursday, I genuinely believe that was a, a sly dig um, from the Scotland national team admin at a time, as you said, Colin, well, that result really should unify the nation. What about you, John? The, the whole Lee Griffiths thing, how did you view it? Well, I'm, I'm relieved to hear that Dougie and yourself can't get your, yourselves into the mindset of Lee Griffiths because that, that's a relief to everybody because nobody should ever want to be able to relate to Lee Griffiths. The man's a moron. You know, he is. Let's you know, have a look at his, what he said and has done in public before. Um, you know, Lee Griffiths is, is the antithesis of, of what you're looking for in, in a human being, far less in a football player. Um, you know, I think he's pretty close to being jettisoned by his club. I wouldn't be surprised if that was uh, an attempt at currying favour with um, an element of, of their support, um, which it, it may or may not have done. I struggle to believe that he was having a go at a guy about his sister. I can't I can't get my head around that. So I'm just going to assume that that wasn't the case. It's just he just he's, he just didn't know. But it was a ridiculous thing to do, and I agree with you entirely. We have no rivalry with Northern Ireland. You know, speaking personally, you know, Northern Ireland is my second favourite. You know, I, I lived in Northern Ireland for a few years. I'm still a regular visitor. You know, I always look for the Northern Ireland score. Um, I really enjoyed um, their kind of recent run of, of good form, having in fact, you know, the last international football match I was at was 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 a Northern Ireland game um, when I lived there. Uh, I went to see them play Germany at Old Windsor Park. They got beat, but it's a good game. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, so, you know, we don't have a rivalry with Northern Ireland, you know, that's just nonsense. Um, I, I refuse to allow my support for Scotland to be in any way influenced by Lee Griffiths. You know, Lee Griffiths is not somebody I would spend any time thinking about you know he is a man i mean i hear all this stuff with Lee. he's get you know he's get problems he does have problems you know and if he has problems he has enough money to go and get professional help for them and his club has enough money to go and get professional help from but he keeps making the same mistakes um you know he is not uh he's not a normal individual uh, i agree entirely with both of you it was a ridiculous thing to do at that time you know it was just far it's a cool thing to do at that time. Um, you know, you've all seen, we've all seen the pictures from the dressing room and, and from the hotel afterwards. And clearly the guys that were involved in that game enjoyed the evening 
um, you know, they all looked like, and, and I would, uh, you know, uh, uh, as Dougie said, um, and I would agree, you know, uh, uh, all I'd say is, look, Lee Griffiths is an arsehole, if I can use that <laughs> word. There's no other way to describe Lee Griffiths. But, you know, Callum McGregor, Ryan Christie, um, I don't know who else was in, who else plays for Celtic that was in that team. Um, you know, they, they didn't, they didn't do it. You know, they didn't feel the need to have a dig at the opposition. They didn't have a f- feel the need to bring it in. From what I can see, they are, you know, genuinely excited to be playing for their country, genuinely excited to have qualified for a tournament. And I'm happy to 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 lend them my support for 90 minutes during these games. Um, I, I refuse to let Lee Griffiths influence that. Um, I, you know, I, I just hope Lee Griffiths just kind of fades away. I mean, he's not fit. You know, that was one of the things that came out. I mean, you could see that, that he's not fit. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a sad indictment of of you know Scotland just now that, that you know he actually gets in that squad because he is not fit. Um, you know, that, that was quite interesting to see. I don't I want to talk about League of Us anymore. Yeah, well, I did notice uh, there was an image doing the rounds after the Celtic European game the other week there, and it's quite obvious he's not fit. I mean, don't have to watch him playing. To see that he's no fit, you just need to look at his body shape. But it, it just kind of strikes me, as you say, John. He keeps on getting involved in this stuff time and time and time again. And the fact that there was no comment from, you know, the SFA or Steve Clark or or even Celtic saying, look, you know, because the, the statement that Lee Griffiths put out was absolutely it was a rambling mess. You know what I mean? And, and it was it was written in sort of street talk. You know, that's that's pure law, by the way. I wouldn't do that kind of thing. You know what? Someone surely someone should be stepping in and say, right, you've made an arse of this and we need to try and fix it. But no one, he just seems to be left to, to, to sort of deal with it on his own and he just digs himself in a, a sort of bigger, bigger hole. And, and that's what disappointed me, the fact that no one from the SFA or, or the Scotland camp or even from Celtic came out to try and clarify everything and, and, and totally clear there. They, they, they just let him dig an even bigger hole and... I, I thought the whole thing was really distasteful, I must admit. And uh, as I said, at a time when you would maybe be looking for, for the country to feel a wee bit unified for the first time in a long time, the following day, it was all about him, uh, which was disappointing. Anyway, as you say, we don't want to talk about Lee Griffiths anymore. Uh, Dougie, uh, Dougie, uh, we've been linked with Kenny McLean in the, in the papers. Uh, it was you, it was you that highlighted it to me today earlier on on the on the old WhatsApp. I, I mean, is that a good move or a bad move? Is it, uh, another sort of central midfield player? Do they actually need someone like that? And if they are going to bring someone like that, and does it mean that one of the players that we're looking at that could maybe make us decent money in that area, certainly in the middle of the park, maybe we're looking at Glenn Kamara? You know, it can't be just be in the way all the time. Surely, at some point, someone has to go and, and, and make us a bit of money. Yeah, um, I have in good authority that Rangers actually pursued Kenny McLean throughout the summer and and made real efforts to sign him during the summer. Um, the story goes that Norwich wanted ten million pounds for Kenny McLean in the summer, and Rangers, believe it or not, were prepared to go as high as five. So there was serious interest from the club in Kenny McLean, but I also have it in, in good authority that Kenny McLean signed a, a new contract with Norwich, which includes a promotion pay rise. Now, given that um, Norwich are one point behind top at the moment in the English Championship, I have it in good authority that there's no substance to the current rumour. 
Um, but you, you, you've, you've posed a couple of good points there, um, Colin, because obviously we've gone on and we've signed Bungani Zungu. Um, we've still to really see the best of Zungu. I know um, he, he came on and he impressed um, for South Africa. He, he set up the goal, he got the assist, and he also scored. Um, so he, he, he certainly impressed for South Africa, and I think we're still to see the best of him, and I'm excited to see the best of Zungu. Um, but it's still a, a question mark for me at the moment. He's still got to prove himself, and then we'll decide whether we, we sign him permanently or not. But it does raise a couple of other questions for me. Um, one of them is um, around who will still be here next season from, from our midfield. And there's, there's, there's a subset to that point because, one, as you touched on, um, we we will need to sell at some point. We, a, a lot of our players are getting a lot of interest from across the world. You know, Glenn Kamara um, in particular played for Finland against France in their 2-0 victory. He will continue to gain interest for his performances both at club and country. So there's, there's definitely that lens, and we need to, to make sure that we are um, contingency planning for the time when a, when a player does exit. But there's a question mark for me just now around Stephen Davis. Stephen Davis is, is one of a couple of players that's out of contract in the summer. And it'll be interesting for me to, to see where his future lies. Does he, if we win title 55, bow out um, as a successful you know, end to his career, or does he still have that hunger? We know he's still got the the energy. We see it every every game he plays for us and for Northern Ireland. But it'll be interesting to see if he still has that hunger to carry on playing. But there's another point that I wanted to call out, which is um, I, I watched the the Ross Wilson um, interview with the Rangers Youth Academy um, this week, and I, I actually raised a question that we never he never got around to answering. And, and my question was um, was was around the the homegrown squad registration for the European Cup next season. You know, you look at the the squad for this season. We've we've not been able to register um, a full. I think it's twenty five players, and had to leave guys like Jermaine Defoe um, out of the squad um, because we don't have enough homegrown players to register, and therefore we've got a whole bunch of kids registered. So there's 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 when you when you look at the current squad. I've mentioned Stephen Davis, another elder statesman that's that's out of contract this summer is Alan McGregor. You know, we don't know where Alan McGregor's future lies next season as well. Um, but another one's Greg Stewart. And, and the, the likelihood is that Greg Stewart will move on at the end of the season. And he's one of the players that's currently registered as, as, as being homegrown. So for me, there is, there is a desire. Um, there should be a desire within Rangers to bring in more homegrown players that allows us to register them in Europe. Um, in the summer, we were linked with three Scottish players, and those play- those players were Kenny McLean, Stuart Armstrong, and Lewis Ferguson. And I'm going to finish my my very long ramble by saying I think in the summer, Rangers will sign at least one Scottish player. Who do you think it'll be though? As long as it's no Lee Griffiths. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you I think mean- it'll be? We, I actually, I actually held a couple of um, vlogs of my own in the summer. Um, one was was saying that we had that serious interest in Kenny McLean. As I've ruled that out, I'll then move on to the next one that I done with Stuart Armstrong. Um, Stuart Armstrong actually does have history with um, Ross Wilson. Ross Wilson is a big fan of Armstrong. At the point of being linked with Armstrong, 
despite his his previous allegiance um, in Scottish football, he he wasn't in the team at Southampton. Given that Southampton, given he's now in the Southampton team, I think that it kind of rules out Armstrong for me as well. And it then goes down to to Lewis Ferguson. Um, he's a player that we're going to we're going to see. Um, very soon at Ibrooks, um, when we, we go up against Aberdeen, I, I, I'll always watch Lewis Armstrong, uh, Lewis Ferguson with a, a keen eye because of, of who his father and, and uncle are. And I'll, I'll do so again when he comes to Ibrooks. I do think that Lewis, Lewis Ferguson's a decent player. And I think he's, he's not on the same level for me right now as some of the guys in our midfield. But what we've seen with our summer signings is that we... We bring in guys not necessarily for the first eleven straight away. We 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 bring guys in that, that boost the squad. We spend the time to to coach them um, into into the tactics and the way that Stephen Gerrard and particular Michael Beale like to play football. I could I could see Lewis Ferguson coming and being a very very good Rangers player, but I think the challenge around signing Lewis Ferguson will be financial. You know you've you've seen Scott McKenna leave Aberdeen this summer. I think it was over three million. Eventually, he went for, but he wasn't on form. The, certainly, the same form that he was when when Aberdeen were demanding over eight. It all comes down to how much Aberdeen want for Lewis Ferguson. Um, there was a rumor when uh, Ross McCrory moved to to Aberdeen that um, we did negotiate a deal in there that we would be first option for Lewis Ferguson. It was never confirmed or denied. Um, I'd love it to be true, um, but again, it's all good being first option. If Aberdeen say that they've got a, an asking price of £5 million, I doubt we'll pay that. Well, time will tell, I suppose. You know, we'll, we'll all find out. But yeah, the, the Kenny McLean one, I think, I was a wee bit surprised when, I, when, when you said this morning that it would have been linked to him. So I suppose we'll find out in the long term. Uh, Can I just ask you a question? Two seconds. No. <laughs> do you think on you go, on you just go. quickly do you, just what you're saying there about the Scottish players do you think if Lyndon Dykes had declared for Scotland last season we would have signed him in the summer John don't get me started on Lyndon Dykes <laughs> Any, anybody who follows me knows that um, I, I, I done a video um, specifically about Lyndon Dykes in the summer that um, let's say it banged and people have never let me live it down because um, my one of my mates' um, parents actually lived next door to Lyndon Dykes, and I kid you not, Lyndon Dykes told his neighbours that he was signing for Rangers. That was didn't say which Rangers he was signing for. That was my get out. That was a caveat when he when he signed for QPR. Um, but I do believe there was genuine interest in in Lyndon Dykes from Rangers. I think we negotiated terms with him potentially, but he eventually went to QPR. I think for two million pounds. I would imagine it's probably similar to what I said about Lewis Ferguson. We, we were probably really interested in Dykes, um, but we probably didn't value him at two million. I don't know what the, the final figure is that we we paid for for three ten, but I'd imagine for us it was it was signing a player of a different style, somebody that we can we can bring on and play certain uh, a certain kind of long ball style. We've seen it um, for the, the game against Kilmarnock. Gerard talked post match about he, he played E ten out in the right. So that we could play the long ball and, and miss out the sticky surface. I think Dykes was was is that kind of player, and I think he would have given us that option. It was either going to be you know Dykes or or Eten, and I think we've gone for the cheaper option. Interesting. Sorry, Colin. 
<laughs> it's fine. You're doing a better job of hosting than me anyway, John. Conscious of time, guys, so uh, quickly move on to... I thought to have a wee discussion about you know how well the season's went so far and, and where we could improve. You know, it, it kind of feels like you know, mid-term, let's have a look at where we are and take stock a wee bit. John, I mean, it's hard to find any faults, really, with, with the Rangers this season. We have been operating at a very, very high level. But what, what's impressed you most about this season so far? The intensity at which we've been playing has been pleasing. Um, you know, I think often we come back from, you know, in the last couple of years, we've had, you know, reasonably good European campaigns, you know, some um, qualifying uh, and, and um, you know, getting games on the Thursday night. Um, but, you know, not always coming back and looking like we're at it. Um, this season, I think we have, which has been pleasing. Um, obviously, the, the win against Celtic was, was you know, was a, a, not just a tremendous result, but, you know, a tremendous performance. Um, certainly laid down a, a marker for the rest of the season. But I think it's been the performances against other clubs that have pleased me because I, I think last season we were capable of beating Celtic and we showed that. But we weren't always up for it against some of the other teams. And I think this season we have. So I think the thing that's pleased me most is that we seem to have learned. Um, you know, we have a better squad this season than last season. Um, Dougie articulated it very well there about it and, you know, and, and us figuring out how we play against Kilmarnock, how we play against Livingston, how we play against Hamilton on these horrible pitches against teams that are, 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 are there not to lose rather than to win. So I think the fact that we seem to have figured that out, and I hate to be a hostage to fortune in that attempt fate, but I think that's the thing that's pleased me most, Colin, is, is that. Um, you know, there were moments, particularly in the European games, where we've played football that's just made me stop and say, is that us? Is that us doing that passing? Is that us playing it so tight and passing our way out? Been wonderful to watch. Um, but I think it's probably that that's where I've seen the most improvement is in figuring out how to beat the teams that we were dropping points against last season. Yeah, I, th I think me a good point about the level of some of our football. The two goals against, you know, the goal against uh, Galatasaray and the goal the other week there against Benfica, which, you know, they effectively start on their byline, you know, and we, we, we beat that first press. And then but that's the way the game is now, you know, you're, you're trying to get out past that first press and if you do it successfully if you navigate that then you're in and so yeah yeah absolutely agree with that uh, Dougie is there anything that, that again it's you know when, when we're 11-12 games into the season we've only conceded three goals you know we'll beat Celtic we'll qualify for the Europa League we'll beat Galatasaray should have beat Benfica you know we're sitting in a very strong position in both domestically and the Europa League but is there anything that, that's still giving you a wee bit of cause for concern or, or is everything tickety do? You know, my biggest concern, especially this year, is that anything can happen to our players. I have the genuine fear that we, especially with, I think we've got 14 players on international duty. We're obviously travelling to, to various countries at the moment with the, the Europa League. I just have the fear that we could have a squad put into to quarantine. And I think we've, we've spoken before around the SPFL won't do us any favours. Um, but I want to go back to the previous question just, just briefly, Colin, because um, one of the things that I'd spoken about previously is, is our year-on-year -year comparison to last year. Um, and we're only one draw better off than what we were last season. But I think the important point to pull out is the away games that we've 
that we've had um, in the first part of the season. You know, we've been to Aberdeen, Livingston, Hibs, Motherwell, Celtic, Kilmarnock. These are all the the tough places to go historically for Rangers. Um, so, you know, as you, you look to the next um, the next part of the fixtures, um, I go in with confidence. Um, and I go in with confidence for, for a couple of reasons. Um, you know, I, I completely agree with, with, with what John was saying there around um, the, the, the intensity and the, the high level of performances. Um, but the other things that I'm going in with, with confidence for just now is, one, we're not relying on Morelos for goals. We're getting goals from all around the pitch. Two, we're able to, to, to rotate the squad without compromising the quality. You know, I spoke earlier on around, around D10. The, the, the strikers that we have at our disposal, you know, you've got Morelos, Roof, E10, Defoe, um, able to be bringing in. That's that's the type of squad that you need to challenge um, across a, an entire season. Um, but the last thing for me is is I'm excited about the players that, that have still to kick on. You know, Aribo started very well, but he, he had that period out. Um, you've seen him flying again and he gets double against Hamilton. But I'm excited about Roof. Roof is still to really get going. Um, he, he obviously had his injury and a left, and then he picked up his injury again back here. Um, I think we're still to see the best of Roof, and we've touched on on Zungu earlier on as well. I'm I'm genuinely excited for the next part of the the season because between now and January we've got some some good games, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing more good football. That Benfica goal in particular. I listened to the podcast when. When Big Big Alex was talking about that goal, that was just a stunning goal. And the football that we are playing just now is a, a joy to watch. I can't deny that. You know, we are, when we hit top level, uh, as John said, there there are times you're like, is that us? <laughs> is that Rangers I'm watching? Uh, you know, when you consider where we were, even just a couple of years ago, you know what I mean? It is, it's impressive to, impressive to see. Guys, moving on to next week, uh, next Sunday, 12 o'clock at Ibrox. I, I, I might be acting a wee bit paranoid here, but I'm questioning why that game's been moved to the Sunday. Uh, but, you know, that's just me being a paranoid android. John, uh, Aberdeen are actually in a good, a good vein of form at the moment. Uh, they're sitting second in the form table. They've uh, had four wins uh, from the last six, two draws. Could be a tricky game, do you think? Or do you feel confident given the way we're playing at the moment? Aberdeen's always a tricky game. Um, you know, and, and like you say, they're in decent form. Um, certainly, they're in the. They're, they're, we've a funny relationship with um, the Aberdeen manager, haven't we? Um, and obviously, we, we fairly publicly quoted him, and that all kind of fell apart. And thank goodness it did, because obviously that then opened the door for, for Gerard, and, and I don't think there's any regrets there. But I think what you'd have to say is Aberdeen looked in the summer, um, you know, they lost a couple of decent players. Um, and looked in the summer like that might be them, and and he's you know he's rebuilt them again, and and they look hard to beat. Um, you know it's interesting what we were talking about earlier about signing Scottish players. I tell you what, if McCrory um, hadn't ever played for Rangers before and had just come through at Aberdeen, we'd be getting linked with him just now. You know he's playing well, so I'm pleased that he can't play against us because I think him and Ferguson have um, you know have linked up really well in Aberdeen's uh, midfield and look good. Um, yes, it'll be a hard game. We need to be on it. Um, I think we're on the Sunday. I think they've put us on the Sunday because it's on Sky. Um, and I think Sky like to kind of show the, the Rangers games or the Scottish games rather on a Sunday. Um, I'm not disappointed it's on a Sunday because I think Scotland are playing on Wednesday in Israel. Is that right? Um, hopefully someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we're playing oh, on I, I don't take yeah. any interest in the national team. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I didn't even know they were playing the day. I have to be honest with you. It was like 10 minutes before the kickoff and I saw the team. I was like, what's going on playing? Sorry. <laughs> so, no, no, it's all right. So there's a game against uh, Israel in Israel. So, you know, it's as far away as you can be um, playing in, in, in European uh, tournaments. So, you know, it, you know a, the guys and the, the players that are away, Jack and... and um, um, Jack and McLaughlin, um, plus you know whatever, whoever. There's a few of the under twenty ones as well, I think. So you know there'll be guys coming back late. There's obviously a lot of other um, Rangers players coming back from whatever their countries are playing. So I, you know, I'm not disappointed that we get an extra day there. Um, I think that's probably in our favour. I hate the midday kickoffs, but I think that's probably in our favour. Yeah, you know we all need to be at our best, um, but you know on current form we should still win. Um, and without McCrory, Aberdeen are slightly weaker. Um, but you know yourself, Aberdeen raise their game for us. They always do. Whatever they claim, they always raise their game for us. Um, and uh, I don't suspect Sunday to be any different. So we, we'll need to be at it from, from day one, from the first minute. So gave, obviously, we won the, the first game of the season up at Pataudry, 1-0. Ryan Kent with the goal. And it was, uh, compared to what the games are normally like up there, obviously, the, the no supporters... It made a difference. It made it a slightly different fixture that wasn't quite as, as stressful as, as they normally are. But one one guy that was missing from that that game was uh, was Sam Cosgrove. I think he was injured at the time. He's back now. He's, he's sort of made his return in the last sort of three, four weeks there. Starting to score again. Could he add an extra dynamic to this game that you know we, we didn't have to deal with up in Pataudry? Yeah, he'll definitely improve them. Um, Cosgrove's a decent player. Aberdeen have got a decent start in 11. I do think, as John said, McCrory not being in the team will weaken them. And I think that was that was probably part of the strategic move of, of loaning McCrory out for this season, is that he he can play against teams like Celtic, but he cannot play against teams like Rangers. Um, so, that, you know, for me, that was a, a, a smart move to loan McCrory. Um, you know, as John said, McCrory's form has been, been very good. Um, we probably would be like with him because of his form has been, been so good, but um, a lot of people have have been vocal on social media around um, around not understanding why we let McCrory go to Aberdeen. Um, I just want to be very clear that McCrory wanted to leave Rangers. Um, Ross McCrory didn't want to be a bit part player. He felt at his age he had to be playing regular first team football. So, um, but yeah, I was building up to. I have actually a prediction for the team lineup because I, I mentioned earlier on around. Um, the fact that we played E10, for example, against Kilmarnock, we've certainly seen our team being pretty flexible based on the opponents. You know, Benfica suited Morelos, it suited Davis spraying the balls for, for Kent in behind. Hamilton, we had the pacey and attacking front line. I suspect we'll be very, very different when we go against Aberdeen. I think we'll be more rigid, more aggressive in our lineup. Um, and I think given that Cosgrove is playing, I think that actually suits Balogun better. Um, Balogun did go off um, in the Nigeria game against Sierra Leone with an injury. I'm hoping it's not too serious and he is fit for that game because I think he had 100% of aerial duels won in that game. In fact, um, Nigeria were 4-1 in the lead um, at the point where Balogun went off and the game finished four each. So I think that game against Aberdeen probably suits Balogun and therefore I, I would imagine the back line will be pretty obvious of McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Balogun, Barisic. But I think given my comment about the rigid and aggressiveness, I think we'll probably avoid playing Kamara in the middle. We'll probably go with, with Jack Davis in our field. And up front, 
I think I think up front it's going to be really interesting because we've seen Morelos um, get into um, physical battles with the Aberdeen defenders in the past. Obviously, they've got Considine still there. I don't think we'll we'll go into that battle. I think we'll have um, Benfica in mind and thinking about what players do we want to play against Benfica as well. And we probably wouldn't start Roof um, at home against Benfica. It, it suits Morelos better. And therefore, I think that Roof will start against Aberdeen. And I think either side of them, I think I think it will be Aribo and Kent. But I think that will be designed to um, to to um, be more aggressive with the midfield. But I think it's to exploit the lack of pace in, in the Aberdeen backline. Well, we'll find out next next week at lunchtime. Uh, well, 11 o'clock. Uh, so once the team's out, I'll give you a wee message and see how you've done. <laughs> right, guys, conscious of time. Uh, so I think we can wrap it up. Uh, for tonight's show. So a big thanks to John and Doogie for their professional contributions tonight, uh, given my shambolic performance on the hosting chair. Uh, we'll be here next week for the game, obviously the game at uh, Ibrox next week against Aberdeen, so there'll be a show next Sunday covering that. We're also looking to get a, a show out on Friday night, maybe, for to, to preview the Aberdeen game a bit more comprehensively but we'll see how we get on with that. In the meantime, get yourself on to the website and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. Guys, as, as I say every week in these strange times, uh, stay safe. It looks like some of us, in, in, including the super spreaders in the west end of Glasgow, I'm thinking of you, John McCallum, uh, are going to go into level four, and it's all still a, a bit strange at the moment. So look after yourself, follow the regulations, uh, and until next time, bye for now. <laughs>